So the opinion at the end could be anywhere from, we agree 100% with what your physician is doing, and that's reassuring to both the patient and the physician. It could be anywhere from that to, you know, we have a different opinion and we would recommend something different. And then the patient needs to kind of reconcile that and make a decision whether they want to stay with the physician that they're with or, or make a change. It could also be, we don't have enough information, so we need to do some more diagnostic testing and studies of our own before we can render a high quality second opinion. It's not uncommon for people to ask their doctors for second opinions, especially when they're facing a challenging diagnosis or intense treatment. On this episode of the Women's Health Cast, Dr. Ellen Hartenbach discusses why people ask for second opinions, what happens after a second opinion is given, and how to approach the conversation with your own healthcare team. Dr. Hartenbach is a gynecologic oncologist in the UW Carbone Cancer Center. From the University of Wisconsin-Madison Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology, I'm Jackie Eskins, and you're listening to the Women's Health Cast. Today on the Women's Health Cast, I'm very pleased to welcome Dr. Ellen Hartenbach. Dr. Hartenbach is a gynecologic oncologist in our UW Department of OBGYN. Thank you for joining me today. I'm happy to be here. I invited you because I want to learn a little bit about second opinions um, in the general sense and then also in the sense of learning about a program that I know you're involved with here at the UW. I feel like this is sort of a, a common, like, doctor TV show trope, like, I I need a second opinion. I'm going to ask for a second opinion. And I want to make sure that I even understand what it is when we're talking about those. So what, if someone asks for a second opinion, what are they actually asking for? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, A second opinion is any time that a patient in a medical setting is um, wanting to get advice or counsel or another opinion from a medical provider. So it can be something as simple as asking for the advice of someone else in the same office or someone else in the same healthcare system or specifically going outside your healthcare organization to get a second opinion about a medical condition or about a treatment plan. I feel like you've kind of touched on this, but what are some reasons that a patient might ask for a second opinion or seek out an additional, um, some additional input from other healthcare providers? Yeah. Now here I need to jump in and say that, you know, I'm a practicing um, gynecologic oncologist, which means that I'm a specialist that takes care of women with female pelvic cancers. So second opinions in general are often sought in situations where someone has a serious medical illness or you know anything that's you know that's perceived as serious or life threatening <clears throat> now it could happen that you'd want another opinion on any kind of medical treatment but i think in in the context of what i do it's quite common for someone who has a cancer diagnosis to want another opinion and um, i have the personal philosophy that of course People are going to be um, wondering, is the treatment that I'm recommending the current standard? Is it the best possible level of care? And so I'm not at all bothered when people want another opinion. And in fact, when I talk to my patients, if they uh, have a, a provider that they're seeing who 
gives them a hard time about getting another opinion, that should be a red flag for them. Now, there are some times where people will have to have some expense themselves to get another opinion, but um, in general, second opinions are particularly good for serious medical problems. And in the world of cancer, um, it's very common for people to want a second opinion at various times in their treatment course. And so it varies from case to case when that might be desirable, but I think of it as second opinions that are generated from patients and second opinions that are generated from other medical providers who want a higher level of expertise. I was about to ask that as well. So um, it sounds like especially when a diagnosis or a treatment plan is is kind of like big monumental, uh, a patient and individual might be interested in getting this extra level of input, this second set of eyes on their plan or their condition. But I was curious if there are times when or occasions when a physician or a healthcare provider might seek out that second opinion or might recommend that someone, an individual, get a second opinion. Yes, that happens all the time, in fact. And um, and I, I, I'm really acutely aware of this, again, because I deal with life-threatening illness, cancer, and because I work at what's called a tertiary or quaternary care center. So I work at a, a medical center which has specialists in all of the areas of medicine. So it's quite common for people who are seeing uh, primary care providers um, or even people who are going to um, even a specialist in a smaller community to want to get a second opinion from a specialist who narrows their practice even more and may have more resources, more knowledge of the latest treatments. So so it's very common within medicine for providers to want to get a second opinion. And in fact, when you have um, your uh, primary care provider refer you to dermatology about a rash, in, that, in, in many ways that is a second opinion. And, um, and, you know, for the purposes of this, we're really talking about second opinions for cancer, but they are very clearly generated sometimes from the patient and sometimes from the actual treating oncologist who may be a specialist in cancer, but they don't have particular training in GYN cancer management. I know your practice focuses on gynecologic cancer. Um, so the way it works for you might not be sort of broadly applicable for all second opinions, but I'm curious in sort of general terms, um, what happens during that second opinion consult? I'm particularly curious, like, does it include new exams, new tests, new biopsies, or like a really thorough review of patient records so far? Like what all goes in to generating that, that extra level of insight? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's it's kind of all of the above is the answer. So whenever we get a second opinion, we, um, we always want to know, okay, who's generating it? Is it the patient? Is it the provider? And then we're going to look through all the medical records of the care that has been received up until this time. So that's going to be part of the second opinion. And in some cases, we'll review pathology slides or radiology films any kind of diagnostic testing that's already been done before the second opinion. And then when the patient comes for the second opinion, we are going to do a formal assessment, meaning 
um, what you would do at, at virtually every medical encounter, taking a focused history, um, what is the patient telling us about what's going on and what their questions are, and then doing um, an examination based on what's needed, uh, and then assessing the situation. So the opinion at the end could be anywhere from, we agree 100% with what your physician is doing, and that's reassuring to both the patient and the physician. It could be anywhere from that to, you know, we have a different opinion and we would recommend something different, and then the patient needs to kind of reconcile that and make a decision whether they wanna stay with the physician that they're with or, or make a change. It could also be, we don't have enough information, so we need to do some more diagnostic testing and studies of our own before we can render a high-quality second opinion. That was actually kind of my next question of, you know, what happens after I, you know, go to a tertiary care center, see a subspecialist who's really focused in this area where I have a concern, and their second opinion maybe is different than my current care plan or offers some new options. What happens next? How do, how do we move forward after that second opinion is given? Yeah, and that's a great question. And that happens, um, that ha- happens quite frequently. Again, if the patient is asking for the second opinion, they have to have in mind that there's a chance that the second opinion consultation will have a different opinion than their previous provider. And so then they're in the situation of really kind of assessing this situation and saying, okay, who, you know, whose care am I going to stay with? Sometimes they'll want to go and get another opinion, right? So then it would be a third opinion. We don't really call it third opinion, but it, it would be a third opinion. Um, so they might go to another um, uh, regional cancer center and get another opinion. So at the end of the day, the, the patient's going to take all that information and they are going to make a decision to either stay with their treating physician or sometimes, you know, make a change and even change where they get their care. Now, if it's the if it's the the outside provider or uh, uh, say an oncologist in a smaller community that's not as familiar with gynecology cancers, or has already given all the treatments that that are available to them, in that case they're actually asking us to both render an opinion and potentially take over the care of the case. Um, Sometimes they're just asking, hey, what would you recommend next? And then they can get that treatment in their community. So it it varies a little bit um, what the outcome is going to be. It really is everything from reassurance that what their providers are doing is really state-of-the-art and they're getting great care to you know, hey, we might do things differently, so they'll have to decide what to do. Or the third and more common situation, there are things that we can do and offer that actually aren't available to you necessarily in a smaller community hospital. Yeah, that makes total sense. So we try and work with the local um, oncologists and the local primary care providers to help patients get the care that they need close to home. So the way I talk to patients about it is, honestly, we're all just going to be a team trying to provide the highest level of care for you. So it it's not that they're necessarily switching from their medical oncologist in a smaller community 
to you know, 100% care at UW Health, but then I would be working with their medical oncologist and I am now part of their treatment team if, they, if that's what they're choosing and can give advice. And there, there are some treatments that, that we can do at UW Health and UW Hospital that aren't available other places. If I was someone who had gotten a challenging diagnosis or was embarking on this sort of intense treatment plan, um, and I wanted more input. I could see this conversation with my doctor, with my healthcare team being kind of intimidating to approach. It feels very, it feels a little scary to say, I'm interested in getting some additional judgment on this case. Um, do you have suggestions for how to ask for that second opinion and kind of advocate for yourself when you're approaching a a challenging diagnosis or an intense treatment plan that makes you feel like you kind of want a little bit more input before you really embark on it? Yeah, I think that's a, a really good question. And I think it really does come up for patients. So, you know, part of the relationship between patients and their providers, patients and their physicians, patients and, you know, the whole treatment team is, is built on trust and communication. And so a lot of patients think, oh, gosh, I don't want to say that to my doctor because then, then my doctor might think that I don't trust them or that I, you know, think they might not be doing things well or et cetera, et cetera. So I, you know, I go back to sort of my first principles of communication and and that is um, honest communication and direct communication um, in, in, in as kind a way as possible is going to um, be the most fruitful. So, so a patient could say, you know, you know, gosh, this is a super serious diagnosis and I, you know, I, I like you, I trust you. Um, we're talking about my life, and uh, I, I, I know I need to get treatment. I've been trying to do some of my own research. It's, it's, it's tricky to understand all of that. You know, I would like to um, get another opinion um, about my case, and, um, and, you know, do you have suggestions on where I might do that or, uh, or thoughts about that? So, you know, that's one way of doing it because... I actually send my patients for second opinions at other cancer centers as well. And so when, when, when I, my patients say something about a second opinion, I want to say, yeah, sure, absolutely. You know, you want to be, you know, um, 100% clear that you're on a path that you feel comfortable with and you want to trust that you're, you know, you're, 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 you're making wise decisions. And these are, these are difficult things and there are going to be different opinions. The thing that I want to tell my patients is, I want you to go get a second opinion at a place that's going to give you really, that's going to be giving you a really, you know, I hate to use the word good opinion, but that's going to be giving you um, what you're looking for. So that uh, I want to send you somewhere where people are as knowledgeable or more knowledgeable than I am, right? So I can direct people in the region to other cancer centers that I think are particularly um, strong in second opinions. And I can also send them to um, national centers um, that are strong in second opinions. And it really also varies based on the diagnosis. So, so that's why I think talking to your doctor 
honestly about what you're looking for. Are you looking for reassurance? You know, are you um, are you just wanting to kind of hear it from another person? Um, and and then just saying up front, you know, I you know, it, it's not that I don't. I don't trust you. I, I, you know, this is just really important to me. And I, and I'd kind of like to hear it from, uh, another expert. And, um, so that, that's how I would do it. I don't know how that lands for you, but that, that's, that's what I'd recommend. As you were walking through that answer, I also heard a lot of you kind of being willing to acknowledge that there are things that you don't always know about and that there are people in the field who have different ideas or um, different understandings of things and that it's worth getting their input. And it doesn't, it doesn't sound like it makes you feel defensive or anything about the care you're providing. And so I'm kind of curious if you have also tips or suggestions for physicians or providers to, to be comfortable with having that second opinion asked for. Yeah, I think actually Physicians are more comfortable with it than the public might think. Um, as as physicians, as 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 doctors, we know um, there are very standard ways to approach certain situations and certain diagnoses. And so, um, you know, when it's a pretty agreed upon approach to a particular case, um, we we feel quite confident with it. But the other thing that I think patients should realize is every situation is unique and there are many times in someone's treatment path that there are multiple options. And, and, and really we are relying on our experience, our knowledge base, our best judgment to put forth what we think is the, the, um, uh, the next step that is gonna um, uh, provide the best care for somebody. And so, I think we can also acknowledge that there are other opinions. And so I, I think that patients might, um, might be surprised if you have a physician that's super defensive, you know, about like, this is the only way to do this. Um, again, that, you know, that would, to me, would, would raise concern that, that why isn't this person more open to getting another opinion if they're so certain that this is the one way to do it if, if I go to someone else, they're going to say that same thing. So that, that's kind of how I think about it. And, um, and there, are, there is a lot of complexity in medical care. And, and there are cases where, where, where you, you can very legitimately uh, make different treatment decisions that were, would all be a reasonable approach to a particular case, and especially in cancer, especially in recurrent cancer. The way you're describing it, it sounds like second opinions are pretty common. Um, but I'm curious, do you feel like, I mean, does everyone need to get a second opinion for a cancer diagnosis or a treatment plan? Or are there times where, you know, the the first opinion or the first plan is, is, is fine? It's fine to just move forward with that one. I don't want my comments about second opinions to come across that I'm endorsing that everybody should or needs to get a second opinion about their cancer care, for example. Uh, in fact, I think that, that, that the predominant cancer care in our region is really quite strong. And so I think it's particularly useful for um, unique situations where it's an uncommon cancer diagnosis, 
um, that's a particularly good time for another opinion. Or particularly in the recurrent cancer setting where there are multiple different types of treatment approaches that are reasonable, that can sometimes really help a patient with decision-making and um, and be beneficial. There are situations where, where providers recommend that patients go and get another opinion, but they don't actually want to leave the community. <laughs> they just want their doc to kind of do the best they can. And in those situations, we actually often will have um, other doctors call directly for advice. So it's, it's another way of getting advice about a medical case, different than the whole patient going and getting a formal second opinion. So um, a formal second opinion is probably the, the highest level because, as I said, you go through all the medical records, you go through all the prior pathology, all the history, all the radiology, you see the patient, you go through things, you talk about things, um, but you don't always need to do all of that. And, um, and we've been working towards doing um, more second opinions with telemedicine to make it a little bit easier for people um, who, uh, who travel a distance to come to UW Health in Madison. That's really valuable. I would like to learn a little bit about um, the second opinion services that you are connected with here at UW Health. Um, are they specifically for gynecologic cancer? So I am specifically connected with second opinion for gynecologic cancer because of my role as a gynecologic oncologist. There are second opinion um, programs in all the major cancers. So um, through a a group called Cancer Connect, um, we hook patients and providers up with second opinions, whether it's for a gynecologic cancer, such as ovarian cancer or uterine cancer, or another form of cancer would be a different team of doctors, but it could be for breast cancer or colon cancer or prostate cancer. What do you think is important for um, you know people who live in the region and also other um, physicians who kind of work in the region to know about Cancer Connect and the services and the support that you all can offer? Well, I guess what I would say is um, we are here to, to be as helpful as we can um, for, obviously, for all of our patients in UW Health, but also in the whole region. We feel like that's, our, um, that's part of our mission. Um, it's not always super easy to get a second opinion because sometimes insurance companies don't particularly, you know, want to encourage that. Um, some programs definitely require a specific referral from your, your primary provider. Um, it's also not as fluid and easy as I'd like it to be for people to get their records all together and make these arrangements and get everything all set up. Um, we do have, um, we do have folks at the cancer center that definitely help with this. Um, but it's, it, it, it's, it's, it's it's not perfect and easy, and so sometimes there are are, are barriers that you know that patients need to overcome to um, to kind of get rolling on their second opinion. I, f- I feel like I get the sense that one of the benefits of coming to a bigger care center, kind of a central hub like UW Health, like we are, and we're associated with the university, um, is that there are some. Uh, programs or options that are available here that might not be available in smaller communities or communities that are a little further away. Um, I mean, is that true? Do you have any examples of 
treatment options or programs that are available here that wouldn't be as accessible to someone who is getting their care 100 or 150 miles away? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And it's definitely true because we're such a large medical center, we do have some things that are available to our patients that that aren't available to patients at smaller hospitals. Um, We have, uh, you know, by numbers, the largest GYN cancer program in the state, and um, and our our hospital is is quite large. So I think the services that that are available um, to patients at UW Health in cancer that are not as readily available other places are mainly procedures, so sometimes radiology procedures or surgical procedures um, that are specialty surgical procedures that you can get at UW Health. Uh, And the other, I think, big thing is access to what are called clinical trials. So um, when uh, when you have a cancer, you know, because we're a large cancer center, we're affiliated with the university, as you said, and the Carbone Cancer Center, we are always able to get the give the state-of-the-art cancer care. But part of our mission is also developing treatment that is going to make cancer outcomes better in the future. So um, at any given time, we have dozens of what are called clinical trials that, um, that we do at the cancer center that, um, that may not be available in, in the community hospitals. Um, community hospitals do some clinical trials too, but we have a really big program. So um, that could be a, a, a new drug or a new treatment strategy um, that's not being used as a, in, in a standard way quite yet. Um, and there's some, there's some data to say that the cancer outcomes are better for people who do get involved with clinical trials. So I think that's, that, that's a tangible example. How does it work if someone, you know, comes here for their second opinion, um, finds that there's a, a trial ongoing here that that they would fit into? Because I know, you know, trials have um, criteria that you kind of have to meet to be able to participate sometimes, most of the time, I would assume. Um, but, you know, this is a person who's coming here from pretty far away. I guess what happens then if, if the recommendation or the suggestion is like, we ha- we do have this clinical trial that you would fit into that addresses your condition, um, but you live a couple hundred miles away. What happens next? Well, yeah, a, a great question. And honestly, patients travel for clinical trials. Um, in fact, I um, just saw someone uh, recently who uh, lives a couple hours north of Madison who's on one of our clinical trials. Um, obviously, it's much more convenient for people who are you know, within an hour's drive of Madison. Um, but people do travel for clinical trials because these are treatments that they can't obtain in other areas. We have patients here, patients of ours, who um, find a cancer clinical trial at another cancer center in the country. And uh, for example, at the National Cancer Institute in the Washington, D.C. area, um, we've had patients who have gone and um, participated in trials there along with some other um, medical centers um, across the United States. So people will travel. So certainly people in our region will travel to, to UW Health and UW uh, Wisconsin Hospital and the Carbone Cancer Center for clinical trials. Um, but people also travel nationally um, for t- clinical trials. 
it sounds like you have a great depth of experience, um, you know, giving second opinions, participating in kind of the whole process about adding more insight and expertise to people's treatment plans. Um, I'm wondering what makes being part of this rewarding for you? That's a great question, too. Honestly, um, for me, the, the patient that I'm caring for is at the center of everything that I do. So that person and, and their patient experience and the care that they receive is really my primary focus, and it has been for my entire career. So I'm involved in research, but I'm involved in research so that we can have better strategies to help the woman that's sitting in front of me. Um, I'm involved in education, but that's so that we can train the next generation of physicians so that the woman in front of me can have better care. So I, um, I, I really think all of this is about trying to improve the patient experience and the cancer experience. And because these are life-threatening illnesses and because I take care of patients who actually are cured of their cancer and patients who are not able to be cured of their cancer and continue to look for more strategies and ways of controlling their cancer, um, being involved in the second opinion program, being involved in cancer clinical trials is my way of doing everything I can for that, for that woman in front of me who's facing um, a really serious illness and um, to try and support her and her family. Dr. Hartenbach, I want to thank you so much for joining me on the Women's HealthCast today. Thank you. I really, I really enjoyed it, and I appreciate the opportunity to, to talk to you today. Join us on our next episode when we will learn about clinical trials with Dr. Elsa Paplamata. The Women's Health Cast is a production of the UW-Madison Department of OBGYN. This episode was produced and engineered by Rob Garza. You can find the Women's Health Cast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to get your podcasts. And you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WISCOBGYN. Let us know how we're doing, rate and review us in your podcast app, and let us know what health issues you'd like to learn about at the link in our show notes. Thanks for listening.